0: Hey, it's Paul Woods, I'm the author of Year of the Rocket and Bouncing Back from National Joke to Grey Cup Champs, both books about the Toronto Argonauts, and you are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
1: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. Are you ready to stay fit this winter?
0: Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to their mobility and movement program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program.
1: Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees. The program is available worldwide. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the process Podcasts. I am... Your only host today, Mr. Neemolus Bruce. The other two are off somewhere in Canada, but that's okay, because we've got a special Canadian episode. I hope you've brought a, a glass with you, because we're going to toast the 150th anniversary of the Toronto Argonauts Football Club. And to bring us in to go over that, and the present day Argonauts, and the things they've been doing their 2023 CFL season, it is friend of the show historian, author, and all-around Argonauts fan, Mr. Paul Woods. Paul, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Nii. Nee. Thank you very much. Good to be back.
1: Great to have you back. And Paul, I, I've got to admit, last time you came on the show, you gave myself and our listeners a charge. You said, get out there and watch some more CFL. And I took you up on that. This season, I've I've definitely got my fill in terms of uh, watching the double blue play at the BMO Field on an exhibition, they have not disappointed. They've they an ex exciting round of football on both sides of the ball, and they seem to be going from good to great when you look at last year and where they're at now. What what are your thoughts on the, the present day Argonauts?
0: Well, I, you're you're absolutely right, and it's been a it's been an unbelievably good season for the Argonauts. I mean, you know they're thirteen and two heading into the last three games of the season. Uh, they've got a re- chance at tying the all-time record of, of victories in a regular season, which is 16, uh, held by Edmonton back in 1989. They did, as you, as you said, they won the Grey Cup last year and they were a very strong team last year. But this team this year seems to be really strong in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. They have really not faced a major test so far. I mean, they, they, they did lose the two games. They lost, uh, game to Calgary uh, around early to mid part of the season when uh, their quarterback Chad Kelly was injured and sat out three quarters of the game and then they lost a game a couple of weeks ago to Winnipeg when they they sat a few key players including Chad Kelly who even though he was dressed did not get onto the field and that was a game where they really didn't Put a hell of a lot of effort into trying to win the game. I think they, I think they would have liked to have won the game. And in fact, I think, I think uh, Coach Ryan did what he uh, saw that the game was winnable. Um, but he also stuck to his plan to play both the second string quarterback and the third stringer because the Argonauts had already clinched first place. Uh, and they needed to get some playing time for these other two guys it's crazy to think that they had first place clinched with with six games left It's one third of the regular season remaining and they already had their spot locked up
1: it's it has been a quite a dominating season and a, as you've touched on they haven't lost a game when Chad Kelly has started and finished so it is quite amazing uh how influential he has been he's gone from the the Grey Cup hero in a next man up kind of role to the to the main man. He's leading the offense. And as I said, the, the Argonauts will now host the Eastern final at the end of the regular season. And ideally, they'll want to go down the highway to Hamilton for the Grey Cup. What, what are you seeing with the roster right now? It seems like when someone's gotten injured, the next man up has been able to fill the role. Are there any potential weaknesses you see in the Argonauts with the current roster at the moment?
0: Well, they, they absolutely, they, I mean, it's a stacked roster. They, they have got depth everywhere. The, the, the areas that, that would concern me if, if, I mean, I'm not going to overstate them because I'm not super concerned about them. But, I mean, quarterback for sure is one. Uh, Chad Kelly has played incredibly well. He's, he's, Probably, almost certainly, going to emerge as the Eastern Division's nominee for Most Outstanding Player. Um, I don't know if he'll win that award because there's there's three strong competitors out west, and one of them's going to get to the final. But he's been fantastic. The the challenge is that the two guys behind him are raw rookies, who in one case has played a little bit, and in the other case, Brian Scott has barely set foot on the field. I think I think Brian Scott's been on the field for all of four plays all season and uh Cameron Dukes, the, the number two, is a rookie who has played three-quarters of one game against Calgary and about three-quarters of a game against Winnipeg, and he looked very good in that second one for for a guy with no experience, but if they were to lose Kelly for any length of time, that could be extremely problematic for the Argonauts. The other area that I'm a little concerned with, and it's not so much because they don't have depth, it's just they don't have healthy depth, it's the defensive secondary. They mm. They have about four... Almost all-star caliber players that are currently on the on the injured list. Uh, Jamal Peters, Robertson Daniel was having an unbelievably good season at halfback. They lost Deshaun Amos. I think he's gone for the season. He was the other halfback. They've had Maurice Carnell on the injured list all season long. Those are four players that all could start on pretty well every team in this league. The Argos' depth has been tested back there in the secondary, but it's they're stacking up okay. I mean, they brought up a guy named Mason Pierce about five or six games ago, who I knew nothing about. Came from some obscure school, the College of Mines or something like that. And uh, he looked pretty rough in his first game against Hamilton, but he has settled in very nicely since then, and he made a hell of a play last game for an interception interception. but they're they're thin there. If they if they keep getting injuries in the secondary, sooner or later they're going to run out of bodies that can play. Beyond that, though, they're stacked. I mean, their defensive line they they've got eight guys that can all rush the quarterback and stop the run. Their linebackers they're so they're so rich and deep at linebacker that they've had the luxury of having Enoch Mwamba the, uh, the Grey Cup most valuable player last year sitting on the injury list all year long. He's not suited up for a single game and, and as great as Enoch has been in his career, I don't think the Argos have really missed him because they've had two all world linebackers in, in Winton McManus and, uh, Darius Pickett and uh, Jordan Williams in the middle has played very well other than a couple of games when he was hurt and he's been at more than adequately replaced by Jonathan Jones. They're stacked there. They're stacked along the offensive line. They're a little thin at receiver, to be honest. I mean, right now they've only got two Americans in the starting lineup at receiver. Uh, they're good ones, Devaris Daniels and, and DeMonte Coxie, both of whom have had really good seasons this year. And they've got three really good Canadians playing right now. But their best Canadian receiver, Curly Gittins, is on the shelf with an injury. And uh, Cam Phillips, their, their, their next best American receiver, is also missing with an injury. So, again, you know, they're, they're showing some signs of, of a little bit of thinness. But they're so, they're so stacked that it almost doesn't matter. I mean, they, they lose Curly Gittins. And the guy that comes in to replace him, Tommy Neal, the unheralded Canadian out of McMaster University, comes in and starts making big plays right away. They lose Andrew Harris at running back for the last six games of the season. No big deal. They've obviously A.J. Olette has been great all season long. Uh, but they've got depth behind him. They've got Daniel Adababoye, a Canadian, and they've got an American, a Deontay McMahon, who have played really well as well. So really the, you know, the, the Argonauts brain trust, and I'm talking in particular about Vince Magri and Alex Russell and John Murphy. They have loaded this team up with, with talent. And just this week, they picked up Carlton Aguidosi, who was cut by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a six foot six receiver who looked pretty good in the few games he played for Winnipeg. So if they need him to step into the lineup, he'll be available in the next few weeks, I suspect.
1: At the very least, he can help with his scout team if they happen to run into the Blue Bombers. That's right. And that's a pretty
0: good chance. You know, If, if it's, if it's going to happen, it'll be in the Grey Cup. It'll be a rematch. If, if the Bombers get there and the Argos get there, of course, we'll see the rematch of last year. Uh, right now, it's shaping up. That's the likely scenario because Toronto has first place wrapped up in the East. Winnipeg doesn't have first place wrapped up in the West, but it's very close. They've, they've got the edge over BC, and they both only have two games left. So chances are the road to the Grey Cup from Western Canada goes through Winnipeg, and we know the road to the Grey Cup from Eastern Canada goes through Toronto so yeah there's a very good chance of a rematch coming and then Carlton Aguidosi might very well be the, the the secret weapon for the Argos in terms of game planning and so on that will
1: be quite the storyline but that is that is a few weeks away now you, you touched on Kelly Gittens and NF more but do, do you think we see them when the postseason comes around
0: I I would think likely yes for Gittins. I haven't heard any updates on his injury, and you know we don't get we don't get any detailed injury reports on anybody who's on the six game injury list. the The league rules stipulate that they can only practice with the team after either either coming into the fifth game of the sixth or after the fifth game of the sixth. I I think it's after the fifth, so you know Gittins hasn't practiced uh, at least in terms of being you know running drills and so on. But I would guess, I'd never heard anything suggesting that his injury is a season-ender. Uh, Edek's an interesting situation. I mean, he and Darius Bladeck, who's an offensive guard, who was a starting offensive guard all last season, they have both been on the injured list, injured list all season long. They're now into their third six-game stints. It's It gives the Argos the, the luxury of knowing they could bring either guy back. And these are seasoned, quality players. Both of them have been all-stars. Both of them are Grey Cup champions. And if they had to be inserted into the lineup, they could be. And I, I have to assume at this point they're both healthy enough to play. Uh, but by having them on the sixth game, the Argos have been able to save their salary against the cap, which means they can spend that money on other players, and they've done that, I believe. I could see a slim chance of either Enoch Muamba or Darius Bladuck getting back into the lineup but it would likely take a pretty catastrophic injury at either linebacker in the case of Moamba, or offensive line, interior of the offensive line in the case of Bladek. Uh, the guys that have replaced them have been more than adequate. They've, been, they've had all-star caliber years and the Argos would probably like to keep them on the injury list right till the end of the season so that none of their salary gets charged against the cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't play all season long it's pretty hard to imagine you going into a playoff game having never played set foot on the field. This is not quite the same as we saw in hockey a few years ago when Nikita Kucherov missed the entire season for the the Tampa Bay Lightning on the injury list giving them cap relief and then he stepped into the playoffs on the first game, the first night of the playoffs. I just don't see that working quite as well in football, so I think we're going to see Mwamba or Bladeck only if there's a really serious injuries at the positions that they play.
1: Copy that. We'll watch that one with interest. And you touched on the the best of the West, the Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Being on the East Coast, I, I don't always get to watch those games because of the tyranny of time distance, but a time difference. But what what are your thoughts on on those guys? Like For me, when I wake up and see the results, it always seems like there's been a bit of a bond burner in at least one of the games involving those two teams. Which one stacks up best against the Argonauts, if you don't
0: mind? Well, that's a great question, Nee. I mean, the, the Bombers handled the Argonauts a couple of weeks ago, though, I, I mean, that's really not the right word to use. I mean, it was the Argos led for three quarters of that game. Uh, The Bombers finally pulled ahead fairly late in the game. And it was really only after the Argos made the quarterback change where they put in a third stringer for a couple of series to get them some playing time. Toronto very well could have won that game against Winnipeg. It's the only time they played them this year. I believe based on what we saw that night that had Chad Kelly and Wynton McManus and Sean Oakman been dressed... There's a very good chance the Argos would have won that game. The Argos really took apart the BC Lions early in the season at a game in Toronto. They picked off Vernon Adams Jr. six times and won by a a considerable margin at a time when the Lions were really looking like maybe the strongest team in the league heading into that game. As to who matches up best with Toronto, tough to say. I will say I think the BC offense is really strong. Vernon Adams Jr. has an unbelievably good receiving core. And... For much of this season, BC's defense has been ferocious, but there have been a few times when they've been handled pretty well. And the most recent game against the Bombers, BC really did not have a strong second half. And so I don't know. I don't quite know what to make of the Lions. Are they, if, when they play up to their full potential, I think they're potentially the best team in the league. Between Adams and his receiving core and that really strong defense, if they put it all together, they're pretty well very tough to beat. Uh, Winnipeg's getting a little bit older, but they've got Zach Caleros, who's a proven commodity at quarterback and knows how to play in big games. They've got some other big stars on both offense and defense. If I had to sort of pick, I basically I feel like if BC had won last week, they lost the home game to the Bombers, which gave Winnipeg the advantage for first place. I think that really cost BC a lot. I think if, if BC had won that game and had and had gone on to host the Western final, I think BC probably would have come out of that and would and would go to the Grey Cup. Now the Lions are going to have to go to Winnipeg almost certainly to get to the Grey Cup, and that's tough. It's a it's a dome stadium team that likes to play in a track meet with all their fa- fast receivers going into what could be a very cold, uh, windy environment at Winnipeg's uh, not Winnipeg Stadium at IG Field uh, with a very very hostile environment. The Bombers have a really strong loud fan base going to be very tough for the Lions to go in there at the Western Final and win. So I guess if I had to pick, I would say it's going to be Winnipeg. But... Either one of those teams, if, if the Argos get to the Grey Cup, whoever they play, it's going to be one of those two. Whoever they play will be a very tough matchup. Those are These are by far the three strongest teams in the league. We've got sort of three at the top. You've got a, a middle tier that seems to have a little bit of rotation. Right now it looks like maybe Hamilton and Montreal are kind of in the second tier. And then you've got a tier below, including some pretty bad teams at the bottom. I, I don't know how you would choose between Toronto, BC, and Winnipeg at this point. Um, because the game, if the Argos are there, the game will be just down the highway. They won't have to fly. That's an advantage. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't think that either game would be a cakewalk. Whether they, whether the Argos play the Bombers or play the Lions, assuming again that Toronto gets there and they're not there yet, they've still got to win the Eastern Final. I, I think whatever we end up with, it's going to be a hell of a game. If it's, if it's any two of those three teams, we're in for a really great, great Cup because they're so strong.
1: Hey, like Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you rest in peace. Now, something that speaking of things that ain't bad, I'm going to go off the field for a second. Now, as I said, I've been to a few matches this season, and I've been with a few different people. So a quick shout-out to Justin, Alisa, Selena, Mitchell, and Adam. Now, one common thread with each of these uh, persons that I've been with at the game, they said it's been exciting, it's been fun to watch, and the atmosphere is great. Now, I know you touched on this last time you came on the show, but the product is definitely there, especially in in terms of what the Argonauts are putting out. I know that teams like Edmonton and Ottawa are going through some tough spells this season, but the CFL product is definitely accessible. It's fun to watch, and it's exciting. And and I'm seeing a lot more kids this season, by the way, at the games. I'm not sure what your take is on that, but what needs to be... Yeah, if you put your general managers... If you put your front office hat on for a little bit... What needs to be done to get the marketing out there? How do we get more bums on seats in the, the tough market that is Toronto?
0: Well, there's the there's like the the sixty four million dollar question, right? It's a it's a it's a, a a challenge that has faced Argonaut ownership groups going back thirty plus years. You know, and I don't think there's I don't think there is a simple answer or a single answer or an easy answer. It's there are a lot of things that have to be done. Uh, I do think the Argonauts are starting to do some of them. I think, I think we've seen. Uh, a very good social media presence. We've seen that they are appealing more to younger people for for one reason or other. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but it, it's great to see younger fans at the games. It is an unbelievable atmosphere, as you say, Nia. I mean, it's a it's you know people outside of Toronto who haven't been to BMO Field scoff at the Argonauts and Toronto for not supporting the Argonauts and and think it's you know it's a small fan base and blah blah blah. And yeah, it's a smaller fan base than it should be and that I'd like it to be. But it's an amazing atmosphere to watch a game as you've seen yourself this season. It's a, it's a super fun place to be at a game and. I think they're gonna, I mean, I, I take it at this point. I'm at the, I'm at the stage where I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating small victories. They, they've had an increase in attendance here in Toronto. It's been a pretty decent increase compared to last season. They're not filling the building yet. They're not even close to filling the building, but they're, but attendance is up something like two to three thousand fans per game. And that's a great starting point. And if they can build on that for next year and do it again, and if they can have a good crowd at the Eastern final, you know, you'd like to think that we can start inching up towards averaging around twenty thousand fans per game, and if you get to that stage, you know, maybe then your goal becomes a few years later you're looking at trying to get twenty five. But there are so many challenges in this market. I mean, between the the dominance of the of the big so-called major league sports. I mean, you've got you know the the, the greatest hockey league in the world with the with the most popular hockey team in the world in this market. You've got uh, uh, the only. Back- Basketball team. The only NBA team in Canada is in this market, and they have done an amazing job of capturing the young audience and tra- tapping into Toronto's diversity. Uh, you've got Toronto Toronto FC, which you know, even though the MLS is not a world caliber soccer league, they they were smart about how they built that franchise up and how they how they attracted fans in the early days, and they've managed to hang on to a pretty rabid fan base uh which which of course hurt the Argos as that was happening because they weren't they weren't com- com- competing against that or they were they weren't doing a good job of sort of keeping pace with that back then you know and then of course you got the Blue Jays they play play uh, major league baseball in the in the in the world's leading baseball uh, uh, league so there's a lot of competition for the sporting dollar toronto of course has got endless competition for entertainment dollars there's always big events i mean pretty well every argo game this summer was at, you know the same night just across the the road was was a giant concert over at the amphitheater, uh, and then you've got you know got concerts taking place it's at at Rogers Center sometimes with the major acts coming to town. We're going to see Taylor Swift here. Uh, I think it's next November, not this coming, but maybe a year from now. And you know she's going to dominate the, the 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 market for for uh, more than a week, and that's a lot of money going into into that. That might not go into something like a sporting event they they've got to keep they've got to build it from the ground up they've got to go they've got to build it from the grassroots um, they've got to basically you know keep get fans in the building and then find ways to keep them keep the pricing affordable make the, make the entertainment product really good follow up with fans you get people into your database and make sure you follow up with them if they buy a ticket to one game Get back in touch with them to see if they'd like to maybe buy another another game, you know, make, make them some offers, these sorts of things. Uh I think there's a lot to be done. I was quite down on the, the prospects of the Argonauts ever succeeding a year or two ago. I was just, I was worried that you know the market had just turned on them forever. Uh one thing they did do this year, and I think it was smart, is they've they've locked Chad Kelly up to a three-year contract, and he's a marketable commodity. Um, you know he hasn't yet. I mean, yes, he was the Grey Cup hero last year, but he he really wasn't the, the solely responsible for winning that Grey Cup. Uh, if he wins the Grey Cup this year and he's a sellable proposition, uh, who's in the community and he's visible and he's doing stuff that can only help. They we know they're bringing back their head coach Ryan Dinwiddie, another smart move. So you know they're they're shaping themselves up to be a contending team for at least the next three years. So do that, make the product entertaining as it has been get people in the door, give them, give them a great value proposition. I think it can be built up slowly over time. It's going to be slow and it's going to take time, but I do believe it's possible.
1: And there we go. And yeah, if you build it, folks will come. And I will say that there is a blessing in the skies. You talked about some of the more popular franchises, if you will. The Blue Jays, as we know, they're renovating the Sky Room and ticket prices are going up. And it has been announced that the arena where the Leafs and the Raptors play will also be going through a similar renovation and Raptors tickets have gone up for this season. Leafs tickets are already in stratospheric levels. Yep. So there is definitely an opportunity for the Argos to, I guess, get in there. We are in, a I guess, a worsening economy. So there is an opportunity to, to get in there with the accessibility piece and to get Especially families into the games because it's definitely a great night out.
0: Yeah, to be an affordable niche, right? The the affordable high value entertainment proposition. It's it it costs it costs a family a lot of money to go to a Blue Jays game or and or a Leafs and Raptors. Of course, are, are as you say, they're incredibly expensive. The Argos are a great value proposition, and I think if they keep their pricing at a, at the right point. And they can and they can get people to understand. You can bring a family of four to a game, you know, and you can you can you can have great tickets in a in a place with amazing sight lines where you can actually like touch the arms of the players as they come off the field or go on the field. Many of them will will hang around afterwards and sign autographs and all that sort of stuff. And you know, you get four tickets, you get four popcorns, you get some drinks. The whole thing you can do it for two hundred dollars or less. You know, you can't do that in a Leaf game or a Raptors game or a Blue Jays game. If they can, if they can capitalize on themselves and, and really pro- promote themselves as as you know Toronto's greatest sports value, then I think there's a room there's room in the marketplace for them to to pick up some steam.
1: I think we're onto something here, Paul.
0: Yeah, let me absolutely. level with you.
1: Toronto's value team that wins.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And that, and that and that's the other thing. I mean, they Michael Pinball Clement since he arrived as general manager in the end of 2019, he's made it clear he wants to build a a, a venture that is not going to be what we've had in the past where the Argos they they sort of they sort of go along for three or four seasons not doing much. Sometimes they miss the playoffs. Often they're not, you know, not that strong of a team and then they'll sort of come out of nowhere and win the Grey Cup. And then they sort of fall back to the other thing. He wants to be a contending team every year. And I think what we've seen based on on where they are with, their, with the, 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 the uh, quality of the personnel they've got now, the quality of the coaching staff they've got now, I don't think there's any reason to believe they will not be a strong contender well beyond this year. So, you know, if you've got a good chance that the team's going to be a winner and put on a great product, that can't hurt in selling selling people to come come see it, and you know, and, and then you know, let's face it, they're going up against uh, you know the the Blue Jays who were incredibly disappointing. They really turned off a lot of their fans with the way the way their season ended. You know, if, if you could get people to come to an our game and sample it, as you've seen yourself this year, people are going to come away going, "Wow, that was fun! I want to go back."
1: Exactly, exactly right. Now, in saying that, the last home game we. Uh, Saw was against Edmonton and that was the the celebration game if you will. The celebration of the 150 years of Toronto Argonauts football. It's an amazing sporting club because as I learned from your book, The Year of the Rocket the Argonauts were a rolling club initially hence the name. They were Oxford and Cambridge Blue and then they dabbled in rugby for a little bit before the CFL came around. Tell our listeners a little bit more about the anniversary and also what it means to i guess last for so long
0: yeah it's a really remarkable story i mean it's the the argonauts lay claim to being the oldest football club in north uh, and we're talking gridiron football the oldest football club in north america operating with the same name as they were 150 years ago it's funny our 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 arch rivals down the road in hamilton the tiger cats claim to be have originated in, in 1869 Whereas the Argos are 1873, so they they claim to be four years older. And and there is certainly some truth to that, because there was a football club called the Hamilton Tigers, starting in 1869. But the Tiger Cats were formed in 1950 from the amalgamation of two, two different teams, the Wildcats and the Tigers. And so it's a bit disingenuous of the Tiger Cats to claim that the Tiger Cats are four years older than the Argonauts because they're not. Anyway, that's beside the point. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sort of tweaking my, my friends in Hamilton. But the Argonauts have existed since eight, since 1873. And you're right. It was, it was, a, it was the Argonaut Rowing Club. Rowing was a big deal back then. This is, this of course was when the, the, the country that, that I'm proud to live in Canada was only six years old back in 1873. Rowing was a major sport. And there was the Argonaut Rowing Club was one of the leading practitioners of rowing in Canada. And they had, they had rowers who wanted to do something to sort of stay in shape when they were on the water and they they started playing what was then known as rugby and and mutated into what we now know as football and uh, it's been around ever since they as you said they've got the the Cambridge blue and Oxford blue colors they've had the the Argonauts name and the pull together motto and all of those things and it's been around for 150 years it's it's amazing you know we we think of we think of institutions like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadians or the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, as as these, you know, these things that have been around forever. Well, the Argonauts have been around longer than all of those guys. You know, I mean, it wasn't always the 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 thing it was now. It was, it wasn't always the, the, the what we think of as, as as gridiron football, but it was football and it was the Argonauts brand. Uh, It was amazing to be part of this 150th anniversary celebration. I had the the incredibly good fortune of being on the committee that that chose the the 150 greatest moments in the history of the franchise. And what an exercise that was. I mean, we... We, we easily could have gone for 250 or 300. We had so many things on the list that, that as great as they were, couldn't quite make the cut of, of the top 150. Because it's a very storied franchise. We've got more Grey Cup championships than any other team. We've had more, probably more disappointments than any other team. You know, we, the 1971 Grey Cup, Leon McQuay's fumble made it into the top 10 because it was such an important moment in the history of the franchise. It's a remarkable story. And it's we with any luck and and hopefully with the you know a lot of smart people involved in it and a lot of fans being enthusiastic about it, they'll still be here hundred and fifty years from now but uh it is a it is a real legacy it's a really uh great thing to to be attached to in from a, from the sense of being a fan. You couldn't ask for anything better in some way that than to be part of something that is so storied and so so long standing and have touched so many millions literally millions of lives over the years of people who have been you know devoted to the Toronto Argonauts Uh, maybe there are more of them back in the 70s than there are now but the ones that are here now are very very fanatical and very devoted and I'm proud to number myself in that group
1: absolutely and you can always find Paul down at the uh pretty much tailgate in one of just behind one of the end zones so make sure you get on down to an Argonauts game and say hello and Learn a little bit more about this this storied football club.
0: It's always great. It's always great to meet Argo fans love love to meet new ones every game absolutely
1: absolutely, and if you're lucky, you might even meet a player i mean I mean last home game, the subject of your book, The rocket was in town, pinball Clemens, as you mentioned the, the g m and president is there. so many uh, heroes from before were at the game. How powerful was that? not just for fans. Old and new, but even for the current team, how powerful was it to see so many former players come back and pay tribute to to the club?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, certainly, from the fan standpoint, I can I can attest to how how much it how much it meant to people. I I, I saw people lining up to get autographs from the Rocket and Condridge Holloway and Terry Greer and Damon Allen and Daryl Mitchell, uh, Ricky Ray. There were people that were just that were beside themselves with this opportunity to to sort of meet and and mingle with their heroes. You know, I don't I don't have a sense of how much it uh, it affected the players on the field, but I I'd be willing to bet they wanted to put on a good show for their for want of a better word for their ancestors that were there that night, and they did. I mean, they they you know they really pretty easily handled uh, uh, Edmonton. And uh, the fans went away happy. And, you know, I saw on, on social media after the game, I saw a heck of a lot of people that got to, you know, pose for pictures with AJ Ouellette mm-hmm. or or Chad Kelly or other players on the current team, as well as all kinds of the guys from the past, the heroes from the past who were super happy to come back and, and kind of, you know, the, talk to the fans who they remembered from when they were here and so on. So just a really fun night. Uh, that that I think probably made a whole lot of new fans and cemented the cemented the loyalty of 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 countless fans who grew up cheering for Conrad Holloway and Terry Greer or or Ricky Ray and Chad Owens or whoever it may be.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed. So looking ahead to the future, Paul. Last time you came on the show, you gave us a charge to get out there and watch more CFL. What would be a message you passing to our listeners this time around?
0: Well, really, why would I change it? That's, that's the key message. Get out there and watch it. If you haven't been to a game... Go to BMO Field. They're playing. Uh, I don't know when you're when this program is airing, but they're playing on Saturday night, the last regular season home game against Ottawa. And then, the more importantly, the Eastern Final is going to be played on Sunday, November. Sorry, Saturday, November the eleventh. Uh, and the winner of that game goes to the Grey Cup. Uh, it, it in arguably the Eastern Final and the Western Final are the two most important games of the season. You lose that, your season is crushed. You win that, you're going to the Grey Cup, and then whatever happens, happens. And you obviously you want to win the Grey Cup, but you've got to get to the Grey Cup to win it. The Eastern Final is going to be an incredibly exciting spectacle. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a big crowd. It's going to be a loud building. If we end up with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the game, it's going to be even bigger and louder because those fans travel really well down the QEW. If you haven't managed to get to a game, I would say get to the Eastern Final and you will not be disappointed. You will enjoy yourself immensely.
1: Indeed. And I'll add to that. If you're a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know what it's like to see a team go one and done. So make (laughs) sure you get down to BMO and cheer on the other team in blue that wins so that they don't end up one and done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I got a good feeling about this year's Argos. They... They look to me like they're capable of rising to whatever challenge they face. They haven't been tested heavily during the regular season. They've often been out to pretty big leads, uh, and then they've been able to sort of coast home. But I believe that when when it gets into a game that's all or nothing, I think I think this group, led by an unbelievably good defense, is going to is going to put on a show and is going to get us to the Grey Cup. And I'll, I've been I've been to the Grey Cup uh, a number of times. I was there in 1996 when the Argonauts won the Grey Cup in Hamilton's old Iverwind Stadium. And I can tell you, as much as I love winning any Grey Cup and being there, there's nothing as good as the Argonauts winning the Grey Cup in their rival's building. So I'm looking forward to that and counting on that happening in in about four weeks from now, five weeks from now.
1: Indeed. Knock on wood for the City of Toronto's sake. Now... For us uh, who are somewhat newer to the game, myself included, there is a off season. We're going to learn. Where can we find your books? Because I definitely got a lot out of the Year of the Rocket, but I know you have another book out there.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for asking me. I mean, you can the year of, Year of the Rocket, which is about the nineteen ninety one Argonauts, the with the year they were owned by John Candy, Wayne Gretzky, and Bruce mcdonald and they and they brought Rocket Ismail up f- for the most expensive. Player contract in football history at the time. You can find that book at, at bookstores anywhere. It's uh, it's in it's in Chapters Indigo. It's uh, it's in independent bookstores. I always like to give a plug to the small independent guys because that's uh, that's where I think the most knowledgeable salespeople are, and we need to keep them alive. You can also find it, of course, on and through the, all the usual online channels. And my first book was was called Bouncing Back from National Joke to Grey Cup Champs uh which documents the Argonauts from 1981 to 83 they went from the worst year in team history in 1981 to winning the Grey Cup for the first time in 3 decades in 1983 it's a remarkable story of uh, of coming back from the from being literally a national joke to being the champs that one you won't find in stores because it was self published but you can find it online Uh, if you search for bouncing back, uh, you'll chance are you'll find it. Although there are some other books called bouncing back. People can find it by getting in touch directly with me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at P X W 13. You can find me at, uh, paulwoodsmedia.com or you can email me if you want to buy a copy directly from me paulwoods13 at gmail.com I'm happy to to arrange to get copies of Bouncing Back to, to anybody uh, either by hand delivering it or or mailing it to you or meeting up at the stadium whatever I do have another book in the works. Uh, and you'll be interested to know I'm writing uh, the story about a guy we spoke about last year, McLeod Bethel Thompson, the, ah. the incredible journey of McLeod Bethel Thompson over the years in football. It's a, it's a remarkable story. I'm about maybe 80% done at this point. Uh, so there's still quite a bit of work ahead of me, but uh, anybody that followed his career, will be will find it interesting, I think. And, And even if you did follow his career, you're not gonna know, you're not gonna expect some of the twists and turns that I found out about through all his years going through the NFL, through his early years with the Argonauts and so on. It's a it's a it's an amazing story of perseverance and persistence and overcoming obstacles. And it's gonna have a very detailed account of the entire 2022 season where McLeod Bethel Thompson basically led the Argonauts to the gray cup.
1: Indeed. As a 49ers fan, I remember his name very well. And I look forward to seeing your body of work once again when it hits the print. You'll have to definitely come back on the show to to illuminate our listeners once more. Now, Paul, we've reached the part of the interview where, once again, you have to shine. Because you may recall, last year we asked you for a prediction. And you told us quite boldly that the Toronto Argonauts were going to win the Grey Cup. And it came to pass. So here we are, 12 months later. Give us a bold prediction. It can be Grey Cup, it can be Argonauts, it can be anything CFL. Just something to give our listeners to watch out for.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm going to predict that there will, in fact, be a rematch of last year's Grey Cup. I think it is going to be Toronto against Winnipeg. I think both Toronto and Winnipeg are going to be severely tested in the in the two conference finals. I don't yet know who the Argos are going to play. I would I would have bet Hamilton up until last week. And then with Montreal sort of keeping pace, they're still actually they're ahead of Hamilton at this point uh, officially. And likely Montreal is going to host the Eastern semifinal. If Montreal hosts that, I think Montreal will probably emerge from that and will come back to Toronto for a rematch of last year's Eastern final. If somehow the Tiger Cats end up hosting the Eastern semifinal, I think the Tiger Cats will win and they will come to Toronto And if they do, they will give the Argos one hell of a a tough game. But I think the Argos will get there. Uh, I think uh, the, the the bombers can probably handle the lions at home. It's almost certainly going to be the lions against the bombers. There's virtually no chance we're going to see a third place team in the west knocking off the second place team to get to the western final. So, and I think the I think the western final, if it is Winnipeg, BC, which I think it will be, will be an amazing game. I would have to bet on the bombers at this point if it's being played in Winnipeg, as I think it will be. And I think we're going to end up with Winnipeg-Toronto again, and I think we're going to end up with another Grey Cup that's going to go down to the final three minutes, and the Argos are going to win it again.
1: Oh, you heard it here first. Paul Woods has spoken. We all witnessed it, so we're going to watch that. Some intent and enthusiasm here in Toronto. Paul, it's been a pleasure to have you on. We, We look forward to seeing your book come out, and go Argos.
0: No Argos. That's what Chad Kelly always says after every interview, so I'm happy to emulate them. And thank you for having me, Nia. It's been a pleasure to do it as always.
1: Fantastic. Great to have you on.
0: Thanks for tuning into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content. Be sure to visit the website, www.prosportspodcasters.com
1: on our website. You will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel
0: and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full pro sports podcast's experience. We're no sport
1: left behind.